Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course our fellow critics and podcasters. The NOMCAST is available on nomcastpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts, on the socials at nomcastpod, and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Elise. Host of Crackin' One Open with Mike and Elise. A podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every Friday, we choose a new craft beer from a different brewery and talk about... The history of the beer. What's in it. How it was made. The history of the brewery. Along with tasting notes and more fun facts. After that, come chill with us as we bring you the latest in pop culture news and reviews. So check out Crackin' One Open, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Nothing. You done? <laughs> story elements, Butler. Story is a great thing. It's about is what we're doing. You're telling there me a, a story, great story here. I, I don't. I'm like, oh, you're done. You're done. He hasn't. Let, he's still leaping, but he's not home yet. Right? Just, they just need to do the episode before everyone dies. Ziggy. <laughs> so when he has sex with them, <laughs> they bang. Hello, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of 100 episodes. For your listening pleasure. Well done. Hey, what's going on? Nothing, nothing. Just a little bummed out. I've seen a lot of children's dead bodies. Yeah, <laughs> this is not a this is not a fun one. I mean, not a fun one in terms of content, but I enjoy this film. Uh, so this is a little bit of a first. So we are doing a movie that does not have a theatrical release. Right, because a lot of the other ones always had a, a limited one. Every everything we've done so far has at least appeared in theaters right. as a limited. Release. So this is uh, we are doing the movie uh, Citizen X. It was an HBO film from 1995. Um, I had seen it, Butler had not. So you know that'll because be because I was eight, and this would be highly inappropriate for uh, me to have watched. Of course, of <laughs> course. But let's get into it, uh, and then we'll talk about everything around it. Uh, so Citizen X is a runtime of 105 minutes. It's rated R. Um, like I, I do not couldn't find the production budget, and it's based on the sto- true story of a Russian serial killer who, yes. over many years, claimed over 50 oh, victims. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> sorry. We'll do it again. I'll do it over. I'll do it over. I'll do it over. I'll do it over. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Just yell at me. All right, so before we get into the facts of the movie, Butler, why don't you let us know uh, what it's all about? Based on the true story of a Russian serial killer who over many years claimed over 50 victims, mostly under the age of 17. In what was then a communist state, the police investigations were hampered by bureaucracy, incompetence, and those in power. The story is told from the viewpoint of the detective in charge of the case. This is... Citizen X. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Nice job. Citizen X has a runtime of 105 minutes. It's rated R. Couldn't find a production budget, so sorry. Uh, (laughs) It came out on uh, February 25th, 1995, which was a Saturday, which makes sense because it's an HBO picture, and that's usually Saturday night's their premiere night. Opening weekend, uh, couldn't tell you because there is none. No domestic, no worldwide. Uh, It's a TV movie. Uh, (laughs) Production company was HBO Pictures and Citadel Entertainment, and obviously distributed by HBO. I think HBO Pictures is now HBO Films. Yes. Yeah. Yep. This is probably, I don't, I mean, this is probably one of the, when HBO pictures or HBO films started first doing like, not the first doing, but when the, their movies started becoming popular, maybe? From what I can see, yeah. This is when they started releasing a lot of a string of of different kind of investigation films and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Because when you look at it on HBO Max, a lot of the films start around 1995 or a little afterward. Yeah. So it looked like this was the start. This is it. when they, maybe they start getting serious about what they yeah. want to put on HBO. Uh, so real quick, I can't give you, obviously, 
anything that came out and released uh, on TV movie that weekend. But I'm going to give you what's in theaters. So because obviously the choice is always like, hey, what do you want to do tonight? You want to go to the theater or do you want to stay and watch uh, Citizen X on uh, HBO tonight? Right. So on the weekend of the 24th, which is the Friday, you had The Hunted and The Walking Dead. Um, Did you see any of those? Did you see The Walking Dead? We've talked about The Walking Dead. We you talked about it's, it because it's, I, a, it's, a, it's a soldier movie, right? It's a war movie with Eddie war, Griffin yeah. and uh, Alan Payne. I've not uh, watched it. I've talked to you about that because I think it's that I told you I walked out of that movie. Because, yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Not because it was bad, but because the people that put the movie on um, like to when if the movie started at ten and it's the last movie of the night, they started at nine forty-five so that they can you can miss the trailer. So when you walk in at ten, the movie's just about to start. And I we got there and I should have got there before the first trailer. And I got there and the movie's on, so I got so mad that I left. And I we even know who worked there at that time. I even know the people that worked there. <laughs> so uh, you know, it's it a real crappy move. Anyway, so the weekend before, which was the seventeenth, you had Just Cause, Heavyweights, and the Brady Bunch movie. So that's what you kind of had in theaters that maybe people. Would have gone to see instead of stayed home to watch this and X. Um, this is back when people didn't mostly stay home when there was a lot of the, it wasn't a lot that you could watch at home. Usually just HBO, maybe Showtime had a movie on. Right. Yeah. Saturday was dead time for TV. Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, it was written and directed by Chris Jeromo. Uh, he uh, directed The Witness and Certain Prey, which are TV films. Uh, he's also written the t- uh, TV show over there and for the, and the TV show The Bridge. But he also is the writer of Mississippi Burning, that movie, if you've uh, ever heard of that movie. Uh, cinematography by Robert Fraze. Uh, he was nominated for an Oscar for The Lover. Uh, he also has done Seven Years in Tibet, Ronin, Enemy at the Gates, and Hotel Rwanda. Composer was Randy Edelman, who's done Ghostbusters 2, Greedy, an episode uh, movie that we did a while back. Uh, maybe last season, right? Last season. Season eight. Season eight. So, oh, two seasons Two ago. seasons ago. Six Days, Seven Nights, and Last of the Bohemians, edited by William Goldenberg, who won an Oscar for editing for Argo. He actually was also nominated that same year for Argo and Zero Dark Thirty, but he won for Argo, so he was uh, controlling that uh, nomination market there. He's also nominated for The Imitation Game, Seabiscuit, and The Insider, and produced by Timothy Marks, who uh, produced the TV show Young Sheldon, the TV show Arliss, and the TV show Invasion, which I liked, and I didn't like that they uh, canceled it. That was on ABC, I believe. So our cast is Stephen Ray as Victor Burakoff. Uh, he was nominated for an Oscar for the movie The Crying Game. He's also an interview with a vampire, and you might remember him from V for Vendetta. Donald Sutherland as Mikhail Fedosov. Uh, he is in the original MASH movie, not the TV show, but the movie. Mm-hmm. He's also in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Backdraft, JFK. He was the original uh, uh, watcher in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, and he's also in a movie, Revolution, with Al Pacino <laughs> about the Revolutionary War. That movie, I will continue to bring that up. That will be my <laughs> thing. Uh, you had Max von Sydow as Alexandre uh, Bukanovsky. Uh, he actually passed away last year, 2020. Rest in peace. He was nominated for an Oscar for Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. He also uh, Pell the Conqueror. He was also in Minority Report. Three Days of the Condor, which we did, and Needful Things. Watch the director's cut. That's a good one. Uh, Jeffrey Demun as uh, or Dumun or Demun as Andre Chikatilo, uh, the bad guy here. Uh, the team's he's on the TV show Billions. He's also in The Mist, The Green Mile, and the 1985 movie The Blob, which we covered. Butler, yes, he did. He was also in a movie called Ebby, which I was looking at his IMDb page, <laughs> which is about a lady Ebenezer Scrooge who runs a fashion business or something. I'm intrigued. It's when a does TV that come movie. Out? It's, it's a, a TV, TV movie, movie from back then, from like 1995, 1996. Wow, it looked awful, so and awesome. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Joss Ackland as a uh, Bunderchuck. Bunderchuck. Yeah, uh, you may know him from The Hunt for October. He's also in Lethal Weapon Two: Diplomatic Immunity, and he's also the bad guy in Bill Ted's Bogus. Denomalos. <laughs> All my notes just list him as Denomalos. <laughs> you had John Wood as Gorbanov. Uh, I'm watching this movie and I'm like, he looks familiar. And of course he looks familiar because he is from War Games. He's, uh, what's his name? Falcon. Uh, he's also in the 1995 movie Sabrina and Chocolat and The Avengers. Not Avengers, but The Avengers with Ray Fiennes where they're walking around with the... Uh, Based on the old TV show. Yes, there you go. Uh, and then finally, Imelda Staunton as... Mrs. Burakoff, who couldn't even give her a first name in this movie, which I can't stand. Uh, she was from Harry Potter, The Order of the Phoenix. She's also, <laughs> she's also nominated for an Oscar for Vera Drake, and she's going to be in the upcoming uh, The Crown TV show as Queen Elizabeth II. So, uh, when I'm watching this, I'm like, she's really you. familiar. Who is she? Then I look at I'm like, Oh shit, she's young Umbridge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so real quick before we get into it, I just want to uh, Sutherland won the Golden Globe for supporting actor in a TV movie for this. 
Uh, Dromer won the WGA award uh, for adapted long form. There were they won two Cable Ace awards. Jeffrey Neman for uh, best supporting and then best movie. And it also was nominated for six Cable Ace. I do not think they have Cable Ace awards anymore. It was a um, a remnant from the from the cable era. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was nominated for seven Emmy Awards and Sutherland won for Best Supporting Actor. And uh, it's also based on a book, uh, based on a nonfiction book by Robert Cullen called The Killer Department, which is actually set in the movie. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Butler, you had not seen this movie. I had not seen this movie. So besides being depressed, what did you think? <laughs> I wanted to hate this movie. I'm going to start. Why did you that. want to hate this movie? Because it wasn't in theaters. I thought you were cheating. And I was like, why am I cheating? It's not gonna... for called forgotten. It is called forgotten cinema, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm, I'm going to not like this movie. Let's go. I was tired. And I was like, this movie better be good. I'm falling asleep here already. You falling asleep. I was falling asleep before I even started this movie. I was nice. like so tired. I was like, this movie better be good. And unfortunately, although <laughs> I really, Really wanted to hate on this movie for you. I thought this was phenomenal. Yes. I think this was one of, you know, uh, I talk about Strange Days probably being the best thing I found because it's it speaks to me so much as like one of my favorite kind of genres of movie and stuff like. I think this is one of the best things we've done on Forgotten Ooh, Cinema that I have that I have never seen before. I think this is definitely one of the best films I've seen. Nice, nice. So, so what, what, what really kind of? I'm sorry that I disappointed you. <laughs> you know, and always recommending awesome films. Everyone, you're welcome. Uh, but what really? What's the first thing that? Okay, how about this? You're watching it. I'm watching it. And then at what point when you're watching the movie, you're going, I like this film. Like, at what point? When does that happen? Almost immediately when. Uh, <laughs> Booker uh Burakov takes over the case. Okay. And I'm just like, oh man, this is interesting now. I was like, shit. When when he, you know, I like it when he tells when he yells at him, when he's like, he tells him to go off and go back to the woods. Right. And then he's like, he's he wants to see you and he's like, I don't have time. It's nine o'clock. I gotta get out of here. And they, and come, they come in with all the bodies. bodies. Yeah. yeah. When that's yeah. him, I was like, oh man. And then when he goes, We're gonna have you run the killer department. We've never had a killer department. I was like, oh man, that's setting up so many interesting plot points and I'm watching it. <laughs> And it's it's such a great mix because this movie is like they show dead kids. Yes. Yes. A lot of dead kids in various states of decomposition. Yep. Uh, which is really messed up. But also interesting because yeah. a lot of movies are like aren't brave enough to show that kind of stuff. The only movie that I think not to cut you off. The only movie now that is more recent that they have it. There's a scene where they're killing a kid is Dr. Sleep. Which okay. is one of the best scenes in the movie. It's horrifying. It's not. It's horrifying because of what they're doing to the right. kid. But like they they show more in that. But like yeah, they usually they typically shy away from that kind of stuff. But if you really want to understand the horror of what's happening, sometimes you have to show some. Right. So yeah, go ahead. But so it shows that it shows how it affects uh, Burakov as it keeps investigating this case. But there's also, although it's all depressing and it's it's very. <laughs> grotesque and and kind of downbeat there's a lot of positivity in it in terms of you know uh fedisov and burakov working together and fighting the bureaucracy and, and winning and him complimenting burakov uh fedisov complimenting burakov and all that there's a lot of positivity in the movie as well and a lot of moments where you know you want to applause you want to stand up and cheer you're happy for him mm-hmm. and i think that that juxtaposition makes this movie infinitely watchable mm-hmm. i think i mean not, you're not gonna like keep Let's put it on again and again and again because it's got a lot of dead kids, but it's <laughs> it's got a lot of positivity to not make it so downbeat. It's unwatchable. And right. I think their performances are incredible. The story is in- very, very interesting. Um, and for once, they mostly do the accents pretty well. And uh, I was wondering if you're yeah. going to, yeah, you're going to, because I was Southern curious. Southern wasn't think. perfect, but it was really downplayed. Yes. So that I, it was actually something where I wasn't like taken out because most of these act, all of these actors aren't actually, uh, at least the main actors aren't Russian. Right. They're all, so it's usually, they all do a, a fine job. It almost feels, I mean, with the exception of Sutherland and then I guess Damon or Damon, I'm sorry, I keep saying that name wrong. Um, uh, they're mostly English. English European, actors. Yeah. 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 So, but I think they do a fine job and, and the performances are really, really good, especially, uh, I'm surprised that Stephen Ray wasn't nominated for anything. Yeah, I'm very surprised. I think I almost think like they don't know what to because this was his first kind of not his first. I mean, put him on the map. I think a little bit. I almost this think was they pre- don't crying game. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Crying game was '92, I think. Right. So this is '95. So this is post crying game. Post crying game. I'm right. sorry. I'm sorry. But like crying game is also you know that's a crying game was was 
while it was successful, it really wasn't like a huge popular film. Right. Right. In terms of just kind of like catapulting him. Cause then he did interview the vampire, which kind of, I think people don't understand what the, what the make of Stephen Ray. Sometimes they don't, you know what I mean? His style, he has his own style and it's very not meek, but it's just kind of like, there's a, there's a, a quiet confidence in a lot of things that he's doing. So I think that a lot of people don't really understand that, especially in the scenes when he's with the bureaucrats and he's trying to, they're, they're like yelling at him and he's just kind of like ignoring it and just continuing on with his. Right. I love those. Yeah, scenes. I think yeah. that's great. I love in the, the bureaucrat scene when the, the one guy yells at uh Bunderchuck, he's like, he yells at him, but he's like, surely the, you know, and he's, he tells him there's no serial killers in yeah. the Soviet state. That, like, that is a, decadent, a Western yeah. decadence. Yeah. The decadent <laughs> development of the Western moral corruption or something like that. And then the next scene, when you see them, his seat's empty and he's not there anymore. Yep. And it's just like, Oh, like I thought that was, I thought that was a nice little moment, which I didn't pick up on the first time I saw it. But the second time around, I was like, Oh, nice, nice. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. But th- there are some, there's some great scenes uh, Fedezov has some great scenes. I can understand why Sutherland is nominated because he's got so much at the be like he evolved so much during the May. Like he lets himself like his layers of protection kind of come off as the movie goes uh, yes. really, really well uh, to becoming more like a, a human being than a bureaucrat that he is at the beginning. Well, I think and being able to say what he wants to say toward the end. Right. What's sad about not well, I guess sad. What's sad about this the because this is a true story about the events of this movie. It, it took the fall of the Soviet Empire to solve this film, right? Solve, excuse me, solve the case because where Fedosov ends at the end of the movie is what he really wanted to be: have the power, be able to direct the army to what he needs to do, get it done, find this guy, right? Um, but he couldn't. He has to play the part of the bureaucrat and do the. You know, he says, "I do a lot of my deals." behind closed doors and he knows how to play the system, but right. in reality he wants to be on the front line. He wants to be like, we're doing this. Let's go. Yeah. He's controlled the right. uh, militia, but there's still the mayor. Mm-hmm. There are what three of the guys are just like bureaucrats. Well, the, the committee is like, the committee was a creation from, for the movie. Uh, to right. Just in real life, there really yeah. wasn't. In real life, yeah, he was. Um, he was. He was a major. Or he came in from Moscow. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Th- while the sentiment is the same, they kind of reworked it a little bit in the movie. But yes, he there were the he was coming in from. He was head of the militia, and he was coming into uh, the town to kind of get this go. He was just running right. stuff. Yeah. But in the film, he's been there. He's with, yes. he's got the mayor he's and stuff there. and the he, militia's there. Yes. He likes the doc. He obviously likes, obviously he's Lieutenant in the film, but he like he's a doctor, um, but he had brought him in because the previous guy didn't really do anything. To, yeah. That's, and uh, he's on the phone when Bukharov's on the phone and he's like, so basically you hired me to just do your job. Yeah. yeah he tells the guy, <laughs> Cause he, cause he was trying to tell me he should, we should do an autopsy. And he was like, no, I like, can't, I, yeah. yeah, I can't do that. Um, so I like that. I like that scene. Yep. Yep. And you always wanted to be a detective, right? Yes. And then he makes like basically makes this doctor yeah. a detective, which I thought was really or a forensics expert, a mm-hmm. detective. I like that the when the beginning when he meets the cops, uh, when Bukharov's with the cops and he's kind of like not gruff with them, but just being like, this is what we're doing. And you kind of get the idea that they're setting up a, an adversarial relationship, but that really isn't what happens. They be there are they become partners and friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're a little annoyed that they have to work extra. But but I think very quickly understand this guy knows right. what he's doing. And there's also purpose in what they're doing. I mean, you, you do, you know, it's very easy to kind of like lax off and just, you know, you don't care, but when you're someone, you see, you're working with somebody who is really, they can recognize that he's somebody that is working hard and they want to get it done. They want to work hard with him. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, when he first meets the kid who is where they have to be undercover and he's, he's wearing, wearing his police outfit. Yeah. And he gives him the, gives him his jacket. The next time you see him, it's, he's the friends. The guy's like, I need a plaster. This He's like, I'll get, I'll get you by six. And he's like into it because yep. he, he wants to work for him like that kind of Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And you get the feeling that a lot of this forensic stuff, this is, he's introducing this for the first time to the mm-hmm. Soviets. Yeah. Uh, because he he tells him when he's like, you know, Fedosov, make a list of stuff you need. And he goes to the committee, he goes, I need publicity. I need computers. I need men. Uh, men and and then, I need access to the FBI yeah. serial killer database. Mm-hmm. And then after, of course, Denomolo uh, says, I'm going to keep going. You know, it's, ba- it's Bonderchuk in the movie. It's Bonderchuk. <laughs> I don't care. It's, it's Bonderchuk. He goes, no, you're not getting any of that. 
Fedosov talks to him and explains, you're not getting the publicity because they don't want to admit serial killers exist. You're not getting the computers because they don't have them. You're not getting access to the FBI because we're not admitting to the West that we have serial killers. Right. And you're not getting men because it costs money. It costs money and it shows that you can't do it. You're we're weak. We haven't figured it out. And they're not going to admit that. Yeah. Uh, um, Sorry. Hang on. I wanted to say a quote that I I was going to bring up and then I forgot it. Come on. Where's the quotes? Unprepared. Okay. I, one of the things, there's a bunch of stuff we can talk about Bunderchuk, uh, but one of the things I liked is when he gets upset when they keep arresting doctors and party members. And my one, right. one of the lines I like is when Burakov tells them the party members who are doctors, we detain for a very brief period of time. The party members who are sexual deviants, we intend to detain a little longer, <laughs> which I'm like, ooh. I just, I, there's never, even though Burakov is forced to kind of acquiesce a lot of times, he is not, he does not hide his uh, disdain for the way yes, things are handled. Absolutely. He doesn't yeah. hide that, which I, you know, he is, uh, he is a man of science, um, which is another thing that uh, in, it's a, I think this is a common theme, obviously in the Soviet state back in the eighties is science versus politics is what's right. And what's what we need to present to the West. Right, that kind yeah. of thing. And, and I don't think you've ever seen Chernobyl. Uh, the HBO I have not watched that in many series, which yet. you should because should, it is awesome. Everyone says uh, but there is the relationship between Burakov and Festoff is very similar to Legasov and Sherbina in uh, the TV series. The same thing: science versus politics and the bureaucracy. It's a little bit more adversarial at first uh, in Chernobyl. Right. It's not as easy. You know, it's not like. When he meets Sherbina, when Legislav, which is played by Jared Harris, meets Sherbina, who's played by uh, Stella Skarsgård, Skarsgård, excuse me. It's not like uh, Sherbina is like, yeah, okay, uh, this is how we play the game. He is of the belief of the Soviet state. So he has to come to that belief and he learns how, because when they go to Chernobyl, they're telling him, oh, it's fine, it's fine, everything's fine. And right. then he, he realizes he's being lied to and he realizes that when he gets off the helicopter that they're going to have cancer. Like that's the whole, like he's just like, what and he gets ticked and, and yeah, Chernobyl's awesome. And I, in fact, I would watch that again. That's really good. But anyways, I think that's a common theme here. The theme in this movie and in Chernobyl, where it's that you know what we're trying to present to the West and pretend and pretend that everything's fine. But right. w- this is what we need to admit. What really is real is in this movie is this guy is killing people and we are doing nothing to stop him. Killing children. I mean, he killed fifty two people. Some say 55, but he killed 35 of them were under the age of 17 Yep, in real life. And he got away with it for years, like a decade. The movie takes place over the fact of a period of almost a decade. Well, right? He started killing it in real life. He started killing in 78. Mm-hmm. This movie starts in 82. That's when they yeah. find it. And how about when they find the first body, when you see the the farm going and it, it hits something yep. and you're just like, oh, and then it's just like, oh, and then it's like, boom. It's like, here we go. And the scene where the little boys uh taking a piss in the woods. Yeah. And it starts to uncover the mud and yep. uncover the body. Yep. There's a, a, the movie itself, there's a, it's, it's, it's kind of presented like a docudrama and that's kind of like what the genre is uh, when you look it up. I think that adds to the creepy or the horrifying nature of, of, of the killings. Cause the first killing is horrific when he starts stabbing her in the chest. Oh, you see her go down the head. Yep. And you know, they don't, they kind of do a good job of. You see some stuff, but you don't see all of it. Right. And, and when you first, the first dead body, uh, he um, he's doing the autopsy himself, which is Burakarov. And he's talking about how there's multiple stab wounds to the eyes, multiple stab wounds to the face. And, you know, for those who are sensitive, you might want to stop. We should probably reference that. But you know what? <laughs> um, you, you know, like obviously he is uh, ejaculating on the bodies and stuff like that. And he's like getting a sexual release from all this stuff. Eating the, biting the genitals yeah, off. I, yeah, that was, yeah. So there's a lot. This guy is obviously not a good guy. Um and they show some of it, and but they're doing stuff where they hide it behind the tree a little bit when the camera moves. My only, my only, not like a complaint, but my only kind of note is the music doesn't do a lot to help that. Like I think of the movie Zodiac mm-hmm. and when he kills the couple by the tree and there's no music and he's just stabbing them and they're tied up. Like that's awful. Like that is awful because that is just presented as is. And here is the horror and it, there's no right. music to cue. And I'm wondering if 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 there was no music in that scene, 
would that scene have been even more horrifying? It still is visually, but the music throughout the movie, it's, it feels very TV movie ish, which is fine. A little, yeah. You now looking back and, but this is 1995 and I'm exactly. Like it's a nineties. You're not going to show like the Zodiac type scene is something that you right. only do in the 2000s. And I'm, but and, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And the music in and of itself in terms of, you know, using that music, I, that's a staple of that nineties TV movie cinema. And, stuff, mm-hmm. and that's fine. I, but if we were doing it now, it'd probably be a little bit more darker and it'd probably be a little bit more cinematic and it's oh it's sure yeah. stuff like that. But that's my only kind of note is there's some stuff where the music probably could have been brought down a little bit and what, but still what's seen on screen is still horrifying and it still works. Yeah. One of the things I really like about the killings and stuff is that the film doesn't shy away from, it's not a whodunit. You know who done it. Yes. You know, it's, Chickatillo, and they just can't catch him. Yeah, you. There's no like, oh, we need to find out who done it. That's not what the story's about, right? So at first, I was like, when I first saw him, I was like, oh, I don't like that they just introduce him right away. But that's because I haven't been presented with the fact that this film isn't about that yet. Yeah. And as soon as you realize, oh, this film is just about catching the guy, and that's the entire thing is about what's stopping them from getting him, right? I was totally okay with it, and he does a great. Uh, Jeffrey Demond does a great job. Playing this disgusting, yes. disgusting little weaselly character. Yes. Because he's not strong. He's he's weak and gross and like. And he uses that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a very interesting. It's definitely different than like Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs where it's like you believe like he's taking those women and like grabbing them in the car. This guy is like this little weak, measly dude who's yeah. preying on kids. Yes. Because he's a loser otherwise. Yeah, there's more like if, if you go and look him about Chikatilo and about his real life, like what he like him growing up and which I did, uh, you know, he talks about how he, he grew up during uh, during World War Two. And he, you know, he might have they talk about how he may have witnessed his mother being raped because uh, then she had a baby and the, the father was uh, away at war. So uh, they were thinking it was a German soldier's baby and that he probably he might have witnessed that like stuff like that. There gotcha. was stuff in his youth that kind of created the type of person he is and let's be honest the soviet state is not a great state you know so and you know it's it's you're a lot of poverty look at those houses he's knocking on doors which are no bigger than my shed oh absolutely yeah and then this is how people lived and we were waiting for a two-bedroom for how about that seven years how about that he was like he was gonna get the promotion and uh brokoff was hesitant because he's like listen we have been on a list to get a two-bedroom apartment if i change jobs is that reset yeah how about that i mean you think you just you think about how people lived in this and you think about what people complain about now yeah go go screw yeah seriously how about that two kids and a wife and you're living in a one-bedroom apartment apartment. for seven years and you're and you're grateful for that you have to be thankful for that oh thank you so much and he works in a and he's working in a position where he is Supposed to be working for the people, for the government, solving these crimes. Yeah. That, oh, but don't make sure they're not about party members and all that stuff. It's- exactly. Because he's not playing the game. Well right. Enough. Right. Meanwhile, you know, Bonderchuk. There you go. I did it. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh has his boyfriend set up in a little town. Oh, I love Which is a great scene. Yeah. He finally, Fedosov has had enough of uh, his <laughs> crap. And he's found out some information because they've been arresting homosexuals because they're uh, considered sexual de- I love deviants. that. I love when they bring in Gorbanov. Yeah. And, and they're like, all right, what are we going to do? I suggest we round up the homosexuals. It's like, shocker. Yeah. Shocker. That's what we're thinking. And even afterward, it's like, well, we're pretty sure it's going to be a doctor or a teacher now. And he's like, well, we'll still get the homosexuals because at least we're doing a, we're doing society a favor. So ridiculous. Uh, but then uh, people are so backwards. I guess one of the, um, one of the young boys they pick up who are homosexuals, Fedosov finds out is he tells Bondarchuk's him about the boyfriend. I don't know if he no no. He's or he tells him about he the tells relationship. Him. Yeah, yeah. So he finds out that Bondarchuk has in a different town uh, a young man who's he's bought his own he apartment. Buys he's him gifts, caring for it, buying him gifts. Yeah. Even though Bondarchuk's supposed to be, you know, obviously this high ranking guy with yep. a wife and stuff like that. So he uses it to bribe. He goes, no. Lieutenant uh, Burakov will still be head of this case. Nothing will change. Yeah. He's, I love it. He's like, I got you this job. Yep. He's like, and I will always be grateful. Yep. <laughs> awesome. That's an awesome, awesome scene. And he's so proud. Fedosov is so proud of himself afterwards. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's, it's really, it's a great, great scene. It, that There's a lot of, there's, what's funny is, and we haven't even talked about Max von Sydow, but you know, let's, we'll, we'll, I'm going to talk about it. So <laughs> I know it, when, so when we're watching the movies, I'm usually taking notes. Uh, obviously yeah but like 
when I'm watching the movie and you can't help but just watch the movie and be entranced. Is oh, yeah. When, I don't have a lot of notes for this right. movie because I was just watching it. Right. So when um, Max von Sydow is playing uh, Bukanovsky, when he goes in and starts talking to Chikatilo in the, and they start doing the interrogation. Oh, like, and he's reading the paper. I have no notes because I'm just watching. Yep. Um, you know, and Bukanovsky, like, Sydow's Bukanovsky is so, it's like he sneaks up on you. You don't, he, you know, he, he, when you first meet him, he's just like, they're all cowards. And, you know, and he's like, so you help us. Well, dude, I'm sorry. Do I look like I'm courageous? But he yeah, wants to help exactly. him. Yeah. And he's the one that writes the citizen X paper that kind of explains it. I'll write a paper. I'll send it to you. Yeah. I'll maybe give you some of my ideas, but I'm not going to be on this right. case. And yeah. then three years come and they bring him in for the last day. Cause when you hold in, in their laws, when you hold somebody, I guess it's for only calling for 10 days or five days or something uh, eight, like that. Eight, eight days. days. On the eighth day, they had to let him go. Yeah, because they wouldn't bring him in because what's his face wouldn't, you know, it was. Gorbanov is trying to investigate. He wants to. He goes, oh, I'll tell you tomorrow. Yeah. And he goes, oh, you heard it. All right. Yeah. It's like he's been telling you that every day because he knows it's the only way to get rid of you. Yeah. And then he finally, and Bukharov finally tells him what, you know, who would you appoint? You would still, if you appoint somebody, you'll still get the recognition. Yeah. And he's finally like, who'd you have in mind? And then Bukhanovsky comes in and he starts reading from the Citizen X paper. And you just, that whole scene is good because he's just kind of like, he's skipping over the stuff that he knows it'll inflame him. He's trying to get to yes. the meat of who he is. And he's reading it. And I love the fact that it's edited and it's got his pencil notes in there and he's reading it. And, the, uh, Chicatello Demon is just sitting there, just kind of like he's being told his life story. And it's almost like he just and then he just finally talks about it. he just admits it. He just basically comes out and says it. it's almost like the first time he's ever been in therapy for his issues. Right. He's, and somebody is obviously telling him, you know, why he is the right. monster that he is. Right. Right. And he's understanding it. And he's just, and it's, it's a really good scene. It's a, it's it, it's a scene that, like I said, I had no notes because I'm just kind of like, yeah, <laughs> yep. I love the scene when they first catch Chikatilo. And, and he's they're got, walking them. They just walk and they surround them. Yeah. Just keep walking. I'm like, oh, you're, you're done. You're done. <laughs> and then he tells him, take off your clothes. And the doctor's like, how'd you get this? Oh, well, you know, I was uh, to this. He goes, how'd you get the abrasions on the tip of your penis? And he goes, I, I don't. Uh, how did you get yeah. there? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, you're so done. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like, yes. Speaking of Chikatilo, I actually you talked about a little bit how you meet him and you and you kind of meet him in the beginning. I actually like how you meet him with the train wipes away all the people and it's just him and the girl in yes. the beginning. Yeah. And they do that a couple times where um where he walks into the he walks into the train station and he looks at the girl that's looking out and she's silhouetted. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Bukharov comes in and kind of does the same walk and he looks at the same spot and they're gone. They're gone. And the next scene is her going right down. And they do a lot of stuff like that. Uh, I, there's there's a lot of nice imagery in the movie, uh, which I which I appreciate, obviously. Sure. Um, I like the, the shot of uh, the Lenin poster. Yep. And they walk by it every time. And then when the Soviet Union comes down, it's all torn up. Yeah. And they do show in the movie, they do show the passage of time by the different pictures in the backgrounds and the walls on the, where they are, right, yep. where Gorbachev and stuff like that. They kind of show you like where uh, the Soviet state is heading. Um, yeah. No, they, there's a lot of nice things that, you know, you, they put in there that if you're not paying attention, you might miss, but upon second viewing or if you're paying attention, you'll, you'll catch them. Um, one of the scenes I love is right after, you know, the Soviet Union falls. Yep. And basically, Fedosov just has power now. He's a general. And he calls Bukharov in mm -hmm. and he explains everything to him. Like, now that he's got everything and it's, here's the, uh, you're now a colonel. Yep. I am now a general. So now he's the colonel. He's the same rank that Fedosov was. Yep. Go sit down. And he's like, here, I bought these in Moscow. I hand some tissues because of what he says to him. Yes. And that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Again, because this is one of those scenes where just like, has that those moments of positivity has that like the, the this guy who's been dealing with dead kids for so long is is heralded finally for what he's been doing and the fbi he's talked to the head of the fbi who somehow has followed his case for the last yep. like 10 years or whatever and he goes i found out that the fbi cycles people every 18 months no one's allowed to work on those because of the psychological trauma it can cause i pretended not to know i pretended that i knew this already for his 16-week class that they teach at Quantico, he starts every class by teaching him about Bukharov and yep. how he pities the man that Bukharov would have to come after because of his dog and determination. So methodical, yep. 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 And he like just congratulates him for everything. He goes, I'm so sorry, because it's all about like, no one's supposed to be investigating this for so long. Right, right. Because of what it does, the toll it takes. And even Fedosov is like, 
super i i apologize but he's always and every time he says something he's like i concur like you know like like he that's a nice little monologue i'm wondering as an actor is that a monologue that you would like you'd want to do oh i i would love to play either part yeah. i think those are great parts to play I, the whole time i was thinking i was like like Bukharov's part is, is such a meaty role, even though it's not a ton of dialogue. Right. Because it's so internal. You're doing so much. You're dogged. You're determined. You're tough. You're a good leader. But at the same time, you're sensitive. You understand what this is. It's it's children dying. And you get a lot of scenes where you just, you get to be this leader, but you also, and you get to fight back, the fight the power. And then you get to have scenes where you break down. Mm -hmm. Like the scene where he goes, when he gets, you'd rather have three bodies than no bodies. Oh, is when that he's true? When yeah. he's upset? Yeah. Um, and he starts because the, he he talks about that at the office and obviously He's, everyone talks to each other. Well, they well, Bonnerchuk obviously has people within the office that report, report back, back to him. him. Yeah. yeah. Little spies and weasels. And right. Stuff. And, and book. Well, they do that because they want to be in favor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of, but Bukharov is basically saying, like, I'd rather have dead bodies so we can try to catch this guy rather than nothing happening. And obviously, I mean, listen, he's being facetious. Yeah, he's being half serious. But ha but, you know, honestly, like in that that kind of job, like that's you, without evidence, you can't do anything. You're exactly. Just, but yeah. yeah, no, I, I understand. That. And then so he's getting yelled at for this and then he, he breaks down. And that's just such a great scene. Uh, and especially like it's it's just like so meaty as an, for an actor that mm -hmm. is great. But the dialogue that Fedosov gives that that monologue is also fantastic. Yeah. And again, that's a great role because Fedosov has you're playing a role where as the movie goes, you get to take off those layers. So that's something you can really kind of dig into and really kind of work on. And that's right. I'm sure something like his his script, uh, Sutherland script was probably filled with notes on like. That's I would do it with different color. Like when I'm doing my lines, I would do it with different color highlighters. Yeah. That's something I would do. Gotcha. And be like, start with, you know, blue and then end with like a, a nice pink where, you know, I've gone, this is how I'm going to display my emotions as I go through the film. Yeah. Well, that really, that turn of emotions really starts, well, maybe it doesn't start, but kind of like kicks into high gears when he sees the first dead body and he walks over to it and they have to walk him away. And he, but first, yeah. no, I think it starts before that when he finds out when Bukharov doesn't want the cops to come. And he's walking the field. Oh, he's like, yeah, well, he doesn't want us to try. He doesn't want us to destroy any evidence. He's very good and methodical, isn't he? he but I, I, I viewed that also as him almost like affirming that his belief in choosing him. And oh, absolutely. That he was always yeah. the right guy. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, I think he always has that feeling. It's just he doesn't really admit it. That is. But that's the same. That's basically the same scene. This is, this is the scene right before he walks over to the dead body. But that right. whole moment, all that, that that's where he it starts. He starts changing where like. They start going to do surprise inspections and then they meet the guy and, he, and he's like, my heart's pounding. Uh, my college is tight. What is what the hell is happening? What is this? That's passion. Because yeah. earlier in the film, he says he's a man without passion. Right. He says, what do you you? Uh, I, I believe a man is what he fights for. Something like that. Yeah. No, he says, I, I believe in I fight for nothing or something like that. Yeah. Actually, it's in the quotes. It, it is. Uh, that's what he says. Bukharov says a man is what he a man is what he fights for. And Fedosov says, I don't fight for anything. He's like, I know. Yeah, you know, like, but so that's I'm, where the passion yeah. line comes in. Yeah, and there's uh, a, the the surprise inspection line. I like. He's like, you got to give him a little sugar every yeah. once in a while. Well, I'm like, get, oh, I like that. It's they're, they're like buddy realizing cop. each other. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. And then obviously when after Bukhanovsky gets the confession, he and he, he like it's like he walks out of the room like he's just a professor. I mean, he just kind of like taught a class. But he comes out and Fedosov can't say anything. He's just speechless. And uh, Bukharov's like, uh, you know, he he wants to say he's internally grateful. He says something for right. him. And Bukhanovsky's like, together you make a wonderful person. I, I, I like that line. I wrote that down there. <laughs> Let me say that together you make a wonderful person. Exactly. But I love that. Like Max Monsido, like you said, he sneaks up on you uh, with Bukhanovsky. Mm -hmm. because he's as he's doing this it's it's not really hatred he has for chikatilo because he understands him yeah it's more the sadness that he this pathetic human being is, is there and am i i like when he goes am i correct in this assumption yes did, did yeah. i get that right well it's also he, he you were sitting a, on them when you ejaculated it's he's, very it's psychologist well, psychiatrist yeah no it's, it's scientific it's yes. yeah he's he tells about in the beginning when you first meet Bukhanovsky, he is, has a, not a passion, but he's interested in abnormal psychology. So when he gets the chance to meet, it's not like he's getting a chance to meet him. He's like, Ooh, you're my hero, but it's, he's scientifically trying to see if his, what he postulated was correct. Right. Because apparently in the right. Soviet state, you can't really do that yes. because everything's got to be all about paranoia and stuff like that. It's right. He even says in a state where paranoia is key, like it's hard to be a psychiatrist, right? Which is why every psychiatrist walks out of that. Mm -hmm. If anyone wants to stay and help out and everyone walks out. Yeah. Now at the, at the end of the film, 
when they're kind of doing the he led us to different bodies, his body count when they're when they're when they're wrapping up and they have yes. the dialogue. When he's in his when Chikatilo's in his court, uh the court and he's in his little cage. Uh did you get the feeling like he was getting off on that? Uh no. On the people yelling at him? I don't know, because he was wide eyed and I think he was just uh, I don't I think that I don't think he he thinks that Chikatilo believes himself to be evil, maybe. Just kind of I don't know. Like I think he just maybe he's just overwhelmed. I actually got the okay. impression that maybe he was getting off. Like he was like they didn't find him guilty because people were all yelling and angry. Oh, okay. You so know you what thought I mean? he was about to go free because I didn't get. But then when they went to his face, I realized okay, no, that's not what's happening. I did. Yeah, I just didn't understand his emotion there. I didn't understand if it was elation, like oh yeah, everyone hates me. Yeah. <laughs> Or if it was just like, what's going to happen to me? I didn't quite understand. I think Until he, he goes to the gulag and then it's like, oh, that's, he I, understands I, that. I love, <laughs> I love the ending because it's just like they so he he gets basically he gets found guilty for all the murders. Right. They're walking him into the shower and the guy's like, don't look, look, don't look at me. Yeah, don't look and, at me, and he, and he puts a gun. It goes to black. The gunshot goes off. It's just the end. Like, yep. it's just like, like ooh. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I would have preferred a slower end to him, but like a like a prison shanking or something. Uh, no, nah, well, uh, they were, if this was like an American film, that probably what, how that justice would have been meted out. Oh well, yeah, they would have put him in the gen pop, and they would have been like, "Oh, see you later." You would have had something yeah. like that. Fun fact about anyone who's in prison: even prisoners don't like people that kill kids. Uh, you're you're yeah, gone once I, you go in gen pop. You're not gonna find any kind of. Uh, I don't. I won't feel bad about that. But that's yeah. how it would be. Yeah, if this was, it would be kind of like justice that way. I can't believe the gulag is any different. Although no, obviously I the prison think, guards I don't also think they hide yeah. that. That's the the point is yeah. that you know you're, you're even the guards are like yeah we're, we're done yeah. it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> but exactly there was some stuff about because they, they talk about you're talking about the end they talk about the explanation how the different blood type the ABO type oh so uh, go ahead so earlier in the film they do catch Chikatilo Burakov is in the in the in these train stations because he knows that this is where uh, the killings are being done where he's finding his victims. And he finally, he sees Chikatilo approaching a young lady and he goes up to him and goes, can I see your paper citizen? Finds the bag, finds the knife. They hold him. Um, but the semen the, test comes back with a different blood type. His blood type's AB, but the semen is A? Yes. Um, so it's like, well, the blood, it didn't match. And then obviously Bondarchuk comes in and goes, why are you holding a communist member in good yes. standing? Which I also don't understand. Isn't everyone part of the communist party? Yeah, if he's well, he says in good standing, so he might be somebody that's looked upon, which doesn't make oh, yeah. any sense because when you because he he, his job he keeps messing up. Well, it doesn't make any sense too because in the movie, when he at the end of the movie, just to jump forward a little bit, when yeah. Chikatilo is getting interrogated by what's his face? Oh, you find out about his past. He talks. He admits to molesting an eleven year old girl, and that's why he lost to molesting her breast, and that's why he lost his job as a teacher. And he's like, I know that. Yeah, it's everyone like, knows that. If you know that, then he is not a communist. He's, he should not be in good. Standing. He's, yeah, he's so not. there's a little bit there, and then when you read the real story about the real Chikatilo, he did a lot more than that. Uh, where he got left, he got let go for a lot of other stuff. Where it was just kind of like it was. It's amazing what he did mm -hmm. and what he what they basically kind of kept pushing up, whatever, whatever. It's like he no way he 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 he, he did a lot of bad stuff. Yeah. Exactly, but but so. I think that was just kind of like they let him go because of the variable. He talks about how the Russian blood test has 11 variables and the FBI blood test has like 100. Oh, yeah. I like that. Where'd you learn that from a movie? Who cares? Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> from an American movie. Yeah. I do like that. Well, you, you can. Uh, I just wanted to give some backstory. So, oh, at the right. end, so at the end of the movie, they talk about how there was a, uh, a scientist. I don't remember her name, but she talked about how she was the head of the she, at the end of the Soviet Union. She was the head of the French. She discovered that there were rare cases where people would have different types of blood types, different semen type from blood. Right. And the people were just like scoffing at her and that, but they never kind of followed up on that. They just kind of, it's never really been explained why he was different. What I find at the end, what I thought that meant was that that was like the Soviet union trying to excuse their bad tests. Maybe that's what I thought that okay. was like. So everyone else is like, that's not how it works. You guys just didn't do. Good you just tests didn't do it then. right. Yeah. yeah. Which that makes sense. That makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. That they screwed it up. But, yeah. But then they've, but there's never really been an explanation. And, right. and the fact that he was murdered and oh, excuse me, the fact that they killed him, it's kind of like, that's over. Let's move on. Yeah. They'll never figure that right. out. Now. Yeah. Right. He'll never but test is, him again. 
And I didn't go back. And I think I told you when we started this that he was the first serial killer, which I don't think that's accurate. But he was the most prolific when he's the most caught, prolific serial him. killer in Soviet. But I don't know if he still is. Like I don't know, but that's I know a, at the time a, he was. I mean, I'm not saying someone should go out and beat that record, but that no, seems no, no, like a no. tough record to beat no, to get away with, no. especially in modern Russia where they have, you know, it's not Soviet Union anymore. They have modern investigation techniques. Oh, of course, you yeah. Know, you're not you're not catching a guy and letting him go this time for ten years. Unless he's a proud member of that. <laughs> <laughs> proud member of the Putin party. But so when you talk, I want to ask you this because we brought it up before. When you talk how Fedosov tells Bukharov how, you know, you're, you're, he, the, the FBI guy rotates his guys over after 18 months and, you know, so yeah. they, either they like it or not. That's why I don't like Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Because they're always because, on the case. Yeah, because they've been on the case for 18 years. And it's like, that's <laughs> no, there's no way. See, that's I don't like that. That's yeah. why I never really liked that show that much because was, I just. Didn't buy that, but whatever. I mean, I think that's how pretty much every cop goes. They rotate from homicide to arson to yeah, you, burglar. You yeah, don't that's work what you the do. same department. And then you, you, the ultimate goal for a lot of officers is to be detective, is to be a detective or, you know, kind of like in certain departments. Stuff right. Like that. But yeah. you still get rotated into the different ones. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's the whole point. Do some, you go work some B&Es for a little while. Seriously. I with child rape. Seriously. <laughs> uh, but anyways, but yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah. Um, I, uh, what do you think of him, of uh, Fedosov sending Burakov to his quote unquote vacation, his rest thing? Oh, what? To, it's not sanitarium, but it was kind of like just a, it's it's almost a sanitarium. It's probably it's probably a place where there's multiple different levels of people that need psychiatric help, right? And you know, and he meets somebody there that that gives him the idea to bring a psychiatrist on uh, for the for the shoot for right, was, yeah. 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 But I thought that was interesting because that's not the first time I've seen that kind of thing in the Soviet Union. When somebody goes on vacation, that's where they send them. Yeah. So I, I thought that was interesting. I had to look more into that. But so there's, uh, if this sounds familiar to a lot of people, there's actually a movie called Child Forty Four. I was going to bring that up. I have never seen that, but I didn't know that was kind of a based on this. I know. I, well, I've never seen it for a couple two reasons. One, I really like this movie, so I didn't want to watch Child Forty Four. And two, I heard it wasn't. Uh, it was okay. Like I didn't hear like it was great. Like gotcha. You know, like so. But it's based on the same events. I don't know if it's this is this is basically an adaptation of the book. Right. But this is based on I don't know. This it, is a fictionalized account of the same thing. Right. But like I, I, I think from what I remember from the trailers for Child 44, it seems a little bit more actiony. I remember the poster, but I don't remember much else about it. Like, yeah. I know we showed it at our theater, but I don't remember much. It's got a good cast, though. I remember no one coming. Tom Hardy, Gary Oldman, Numi Rapapace, Joel Kinnaman. Wasn't that, to wasn't that Tom Hardy before he blew up? This is 2015, so no, he was well, still Tom maybe, Hardy already. Right? Obviously, if, it, if this was 2015 Tom Hardy and has all these other people in it, it probably wasn't very good if it did, did well. But whatever. I don't know. But I, I, Citizen X has always been the movie that I liked. Um in terms of, so I really wasn't interested in going to see another version of it kind of thing. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, I mean, I am interested to watch it, mm -hmm. um, but I mean, this is, this is the movie. Yes. You know, if you watch Child 44, the whole thing would be, well, now you got to watch Citizen X. Yeah. Yeah. And the only other thing I wanted to bring up was I thought it was interesting that when he goes to the, I'm just going to call it a sanitarium, when he goes on yeah, or vacation is he... Burakov is watching The French Connection. Yeah, I know. And I think that's interesting because the movie does have a bit of that 1970s grittiness and slowness to it. Yeah. Um, and even some editing that's kind of not super puts it. it it's definitely very 90s, mm -hmm. but there are some techniques, I think, that kind of it's almost a love letter to cop films of the 70s in some ways. The only 90s aspect of the movie that I think stands out and not in a good way is the music. I really have a I just have my note is always. Music's too 90s. Music's too much. Music's too much. The only note I have that it's too 90s is when they're in the woods at the end and they catch the last victim that leads them to Chikatilo is the woods are lit up super bright and super fake. Oh, when it's raining off, off the okay, off the yeah. train station. Yes, I'm like, yeah. ooh, that is some 90s but, nighttime lighting. But that body is. Oh, that, that's yeah. a fresh, gross Oof. body. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's bad. And the the cop who realizes that he messed up, and it turns out it's his cousin's, his cousin's kid. Cousin's kid he bashes yep. his head against yeah. the tree. But then he's the guy that helps them when they. When oh yeah, when they surround him. Chikatilo. You're like, yeah, there he is. <laughs> um, and he and he tells him, and Bukharov tells him, you know, if it's any consolation, you helped us catch him. Yeah, that kind of thing. It's not your fault. Yeah, you couldn't know, but you helped me. You helped get us, the guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when. The as long as we're talking about the murders, uh, <laughs> when he murders, I, I is she, was she a hooker? 
the, the I think one, she was just a drunk, probably okay, a vagrant. Because he's like, yeah. I've got what vodka in my and yeah, and he tries to have sex with her and it doesn't work. And so she starts laughing at him. And then he just sta- that's that that stabs that scene was a little that was that was tough. That was that was because it's like boy, she starts screaming and he yep. has to cover. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I, I'll start off in terms of why well, I think it's forgotten because it's an HBO film. I think because it was a TV movie, I think TV movies were just starting to get recognition for being well done films. Uh, you know, this is at the start of it now, right now you have, you have big time actors doing big time movies with big time directors and writers and, and, whether they're miniseries or movies, TV movies. Oh, not, right. Yeah. It's not really called TV movies anymore. But, you know, Citizen X could have easily been a film in the theaters. Um, it probably would have had a lot more production design to it. It probably would have had a lot more production elements. You probably would have had a, a different director, maybe. Uh, but who knows? Uh, it, it probably would have looked better. Um, right. But, I mean, that's not taking anything away from what it is. It's a well written film, which is why it, it, it it handles the it handles the subject matter very well. And presenting it in a docudrama style really kind of adds a little bit more resonance to the horrifying nature of what the crimes. Right. And you have two strong leads in Sutherland and Ray who are really you know kind of like driving the quote unquote good guy side of the movie. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So it's a it's I think the only reason why maybe you never heard of it besides you being younger when it came out and maybe why maybe some other people have never heard of this or maybe never saw it, who was listening to this now is because it was an HBO film is because that it didn't get a lot of notice. Uh, maybe, you know what I mean? Like, like when, like movie, like uh, just to say it again, like Chernobyl, right. when the Chernobyl miniseries came out and it's a fantastic series, but you heard it everywhere, everywhere. Well, that's the, you got the internet now. Yes. And back then the internet too. wasn't, I mean, the internet still existed, but it wasn't as widely. We were a- AOL messaging back then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that doesn't help. But the fact that it's not now you can stream everything yeah. back then you had to watch it when it was out and maybe they'd reshow it a couple times, but you'd have to check TV guide to make sure it repeated yeah. and then record in your VHS. And it's, it's now it's, it's there. It's on HBO max. You can watch it whenever you want Yeah, uh, and you can find it. And I think that helps a lot of these films. Uh, and I think that being on HBO means it's not going to have that home video release afterward, or at least right. not a big one, which doesn't help it either. Right. But I was going to ask you, because I was curious when these started releasing, when HBO started releasing these films, was there any kind of like talk about how, Oh, it's the end of movie theaters or, Oh, no. this is a thing. Okay. Not at all. Gotcha. Not at all. No, not at all. I mean, it was just like, Oh, this is a Saturday night movie. What's HBO got? Let's watch that. Gotcha. But, but it wasn't like you, but see back then, obviously um, it's not like, I'll just catch it. On HBO Max, or I'll just catch exactly, whenever. Yeah. You still had to tape it. You still had to be there for it. And it wasn't like a movie theater where it's right. going to show at four, six, right. eight, ten. Maybe you could be like, okay, they're running it at eight o'clock on a Saturday night. I'll be able to catch the replay of it at midnight. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. It was like that. So it's, you still had to make sure that you were down in front of the TV before it started. Mm-hmm. Now it's a lot easier. You, you know, people tell you, oh, this movie, oh, I'll watch it on HBO Max. You can catch it. Like that's yeah. like the, like, so. And I'm not saying every single film that HBO did or any any cable movie did, a uh, cable channel did back then in the early 90s was great. But there are some that you really kind of wish they just like, pump up again. Like you really want to see it on HBO Max. You really want to right. like, check out Citizen X, like that kind of thing. They now they do, they recommended, but yeah, they're not as... It's, it's not always the modern stuff they recommend. They don't yeah. recommend any of the old. They stuff. really don't ever go back. And that's unfortunate because this is a film that I think a lot of people now would really, really dig. Well, I told the least because she loves like the oh, murder she, documentaries yeah. and the podcasts. It's all she listens to. Which yeah. I tell her like, you're really bumming me out. And I, I <laughs> you, You're always stressed out. This is not helping. Uh, but I told her like, this is like a podcast come to life. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is great. This is, I was like, I'm sad. I didn't make you watch this with me. Cause yeah. I didn't know how good it was going to be, but you need to stream this next time you're on HBO. But you really need to understand that when I pick a movie, they are all good. I watch Croupier, man. I don't Croupier know. Is good. You're wrong. Listen, how many times people come up to me and told me what's wrong with Butler? I don't know. He doesn't yeah, like yeah, good I'm movies. Sure. Yeah, that's doesn't a, like yeah. good movies. You don't like good movies. <laughs> but anyways, just back to see this next. Uh, so, I know we always talk about reboots and remakes and all that stuff. Why remake something? Why remake something? And I made the case, I don't know, probably on this podcast or whatever, but like the West Side Story remake that's coming out with Steven Spielberg Mm -hmm. and people, you know, like, you know, why should, why remake it? Like, I think that, you know, is anybody now going to watch the older West Side Story? No, 
But now that the new one's coming out, maybe they'll go back and revisit the old one. Yeah, maybe. So I think that putting it back, that kind of remake and reboot, putting it back into the, you know, the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah. Would make people go back and revisit the original. I think the same could be true for Citizen X. If HBO went back and said, like, we're going to reboot, we're going to remake Citizen X. Maybe we want to do it as a series, a six episode series. You know what I mean? Like we're going to, we, we liked it and we want to kind of highlight a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think that I would be okay with that because then it'll, people will go revisit the movie. And I, I would be all right with that. Um, if they sure. kind of redid it, cause you could definitely do this as a, as a series and really get into the meat of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the movie takes place over the course of like 10 years, yes. so you can absolutely yeah. dig more into it than yeah. an under two hour movie. Sure. Right. right. So I, I can't recommend this movie enough to people. Even if you didn't like it, I probably would have had that same thing. I can't. This movie's really, really good. If you didn't like it, I'm pretty sure. If I didn't like this movie, I'm pretty sure you would strangle me. I'd be yelling at you. I'd be telling. I'd be like, "What what don't you understand about 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 movies?" This would be like the one time where I'd have to like somehow agree with you somewhere, like deep down inside that. Oh, maybe I don't like (laughs) this. This is listen. We did it already with Sphere. I already, I already did that with you for Sphere. Well, Sphere was not good. Uh, but this movie is phenomenal. I, one hundred percent. I think Strange Days speaks to me in terms of genre and stuff. I like, but Strange Days does have issues. It's not the best movie. You like it's just a you movie like that I really genre? Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. This movie is not just a movie I like. I think this movie is phenomenal. I think yep. this movie. There's not much that's wrong with this movie, other than maybe some super stuff like nineties ish stuff. Yeah, that no, it's definitely, it but, that, but that's what you have to understand. Like, yeah. you know, like we talk about when I talk about a lot of times about seventies films, like there's, I get it. There's, it's, there's certain things that are going on in the seventies that, you know, it's happening and you're just kind of like, you know, ah, all right, that's seventies. I get it. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, there's obviously, you're not really going to, I will still never like the uh, raindrops falling on my head scene and, and Bush cast <laughs> Sunday as kid, but I understand that's the time era of right. the seventies. And that's, I get that. I still will not like it, but I get that. I don't hold that against the movie. I'm not going to, I'm talking about the music here. I'm not going to hold it against it. I understand that. Oh yeah. But, yeah. And I, I would hope that people wouldn't shy away from that because of that. It's, no, it's not like when you watch a 70s, it's hard to recommend a 70s film because of the pacing of those films. Of it's course. so different. The nineties films and even most of the late eighties films, they're not too dissimilar from films today in terms of pacing. Mm-hmm. It's just in terms of style choices and stuff like that, that you're just kind of like, eh, I think you get a little cheesy. It's I mean, not that way. I want to get into the decade of films, but like you had a lot of stuff in the eighties. Not, I want to say it's not obviously not all of it, but I did a lot more fluff in the eighties, a lot more style, but more in your sure. face in the eighties and, and less maybe like little meaty stuff. There was obviously movies there that were had that. This would have a montage. This movie would have a montage right. for sure. But the nineties, <laughs> you kind of started getting a little bit more serious in the nineties. Maybe, maybe oh, on the TV that's level. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. There's less, less cheese. It's just kind of like style, like you said, music and stuff that you're just kind of like, eh. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't hurt the movie in, in most ways. It just kind of places it in a period. Absolutely. And I, so I'm, I'm glad you liked it. I would recommend people watch this. I also recommend people go watch Chernobyl because it's an awesome, awesome series. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the only reason it's forgotten is because it was HBO. Yeah. And now you can go on HBO Max and watch and, this movie. And exactly. And um, I mean, maybe we should do more TV movies like that, but I don't even know if I could even think of both. I actually, when I recommend, when I put it down on the list, I didn't even think Remember about that it was a TV I didn't movie. even think about, oh, HBO films. I was just like, oh, it's a really good movie. And then when we started looking, I go, wait a minute, it, it is an HBO film. So I didn't, <laughs> it didn't even dawn on me that. Gotcha. But I'm glad I still had it on the list because I'm yeah. glad you were able to kind of, you know, watch it again. No, it was great. Watch it for the first time. Yeah. I don't know if I'd have many TV movies. I mean, there's a lot of miniseries that I've liked that were TV miniseries. Yeah. Well, budgets, now we've kind of, I can't really think of yeah. too many movies. We've kind of moved, modern a, stuff. we've kind of moved away from TV movies where it's now TV series where it's like, yeah, well, we will. Why are we just going to waste time on one movie when we could just do six episodes and stretch it out like i get that well even thinking back to the 90s and early 2000s there's a lot of miniseries i watched right like hbo and stuff like that but i can't really think of any well you're starting to like come today. well you got this in 95 but now you're starting to come up to where they're about to come out with the sopranos and and that's exactly. where you go boom that's where they kick off well, that's serious but even like john adams is a, a miniseries well that was after that Steven was Spielberg's yeah. taken stuff yep. like that just miniseries became they, big oh yeah no but yeah. but also but also a, a more cinematic eye and a more uh serious nature of what's coming out on tv oh you know that's what I mean? what, yes yes that's oh, what, okay but yeah. also no also with that point that's yes. what I, you know like it's just kind of like it's not a secondary medium yes. it is no we can do what we need to do here let's go and now here we are now 30 years later where it's every content's everywhere yeah i will say this i mean i'm tired of sick and tired of calling it content it you know i understand the idea of digital content i get it right but 
you know, movies a movie, cinema cinema, like that kind of stuff. Like, gotcha. like you know, I don't I don't like boiling down a film to content. I just it, it kind of cheapens it. But hey, whatever. Um, so yeah, watch this movie. Please watch this film if you can on HBO Max. If you have HBO Max, if not, we'll we'll have Butler come over to your house. He's gonna get the DVD soon. You get a free week. Just do the free week. <laughs> watch this film. <laughs> uh, where can they find us? You can find our content on ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. You can also find us wherever you want to listen to podcasts. You're listening to us right now. Why aren't you giving us a rating, a review, a subscribe? Don't be that guy or lady or girl or person or woman. Drop all these, uh, <laughs> drop all these subscriptions or drop all these reviews and stuff. Give us, uh, give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down if that's how you feel. <laughs> that's messed up. Uh, but you know, <laughs> uh, and uh, check out our social medias, Forgotten Cinema Pod or Forgotten Cinema Podcast. We post stuff uh, every week. So next week is October 6th. And you know what that means, Butler? Ooh, it's your favorite time of the year. Forgotten Horror starts. Oh, yeah. So we're going to kick off Forgotten Horror. We got four movies on tap that we're going to have out. And we're kicking it off with a movie from 1987 called Prince of Darkness. John Carpenter. Butler's never seen it, right? No, this was discussed on our first Forgotten Horror episode. Okay. And we were going through John Carpenter things. And you listed Prince of Darkness. And I said, what? And you said, you've never seen yeah. Prince of Darkness? I'm not sitting I'm not going to get. I'm not going to get behind Prince of Darkness like Citizen X. Gotcha. Because I don't remember a lot of it, but I did see it and I do remember enjoying it. But it is it's a it's a weird John Carpenter film, but it's a good one. to have. Those are the best. It's a good one to have. It's probably better than vampires. I will say that. It's not hard to be better than vampires. Vampires is good because of its cheese. Oh, it's uh, it's not. That's cheese. And vampires isn't really scary. True. True. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So that's next week. Forgotten Horror starts. It's our third annual Forgotten Horror. Uh, We're starting with Prince of Darkness from 1987. So we'll see you next week. Uh, You got anything to add? Keep it. No, that's that's uh, that starts next week. All right. I'm Mike Phil. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Watch Citizen X. (laughs) 